Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuning to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool, and welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Indeed, indeed. Yes, we have a live show for you guys tonight to get to. So much to talk about on tonight's document. We got to talk about LeBron James and the heat that he caught from Donald Trump. Not that that's anything important, but we're going to discuss it anyway because a lot of things that I sect on that front. We got to talk about Kanye West contradicting himself once again, this time on Jimmy Kimmel. And we also got to talk about Nicki Minaj and her new album coming out and whether or not we care at this point. But before we get to all that, man, I got to bring in my guest for the evening. He is no stranger to Cool Radio. He has been on here before. And ladies and gentlemen, when I say ball is life, this man really lives it, okay? Like, he is a professional basketball trainer, has traveled all over the world to train a plethora of clients, both in male and female leagues as well. And we are going to talk about everything that has to do with basketball, NBA, free agency, all that good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the founder of Dream Chasers, my man Justin Alleman in studio right now. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to be back. Yes, yes. Great to have you back, man. I know you've been a, a busy traveler of sorts. Um, I think it's been, what, like a year, roughly, since you've been on it here? It might have been more than a year, actually. Okay. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I think it was like, what, like 2016, I think? Like late 2016, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late okay. 2016. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, so yeah, it's been a minute, to say the least. Uh, but speaking of which, man, what have you been up to uh, during that time? Uh, like you said, I've just been traveling to a whole bunch of different places, mm-hmm. um, you know, from different continents and different countries. I was in Asia for a, for a few months mm-hmm. and went a lot over to, did some work in Europe. Of course, Canada and the States as well, mm-hmm. just to name a few big places, but I didn't want to jump into the smaller, smaller countries because we can go on forever. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> and like, what did you gain as far as like, you know, knowledge and experience when you traveled to all those different countries? Well, for me, I always, when I look, when I go to these countries, I feel like um, I go there, I know the basketball portion is going to be, you know, somewhat the same, mm-hmm. but different at the same, at the same uh, token. Mm-hmm. Basketball is basketball anywhere you go in the world. People love it all over. Mm-hmm. But what I gain from it is the life lessons when I go to these different places to see how, you know, people interact with each other and mm-hmm. use basketball as a tool uh, in, a, at a, in a different area or a different way than we do here. Right. So outside of North America, because I believe those would be like the two biggest hotspots for basketball, what would you say like out of places you've been to thus far have been like the most hottest, I guess you could say, for basketball? You know what? Uh, I think Indonesia. First I was going to say India, but then I, you know, I recently went to Indonesia, spent some time there, and they really love their basketball, man. They They know a lot about the NBA and and the WNBA and, you know, G League and stuff like that. And there's a lot of kids out there and a lot of people out there who are trying to push it and make it to that next level. So right. I got to go with them. Right. <laughs> and do you see, like, the NBA, like, expanding to Indonesia as well, just kind of based on, like, your personal experience that's as well? crazy because I actually – I work with the NBA. So okay. they're the ones who brought me out there in ah. an expansion. So 
we went out when I was out there. I went there with the junior NBA to try to start the, a program from the grassroots level because mm-hmm. it's not this generation out there right now that's going to be playing. It's it's a generation coming up, right? So right. you got to start it from the young age, and hopefully those kids will be able to build and build and build until so that when they get older, it's it's their uh, you know, colleagues or whomever it is that are they're the ones who reap the benefits and ultimately try to get in the NBA. Right. And it starts at grassroots. And, like, you see a lot of, like, the European-based um, team sports do this, like soccer, for example, rugby. Like, they do this, like, with, with a lot of their youth. Like, they start them from, like, age seven and up or what have you. So I think it's, it's good that we're now seeing the NBA take this approach because that's the best way to, to foster the youth to kind of – be you know somewhat indoctrinated into the NBA like once they exactly. get to that point in time and even if they don't it's still valuable life lessons that the NBA is providing on that aspect of life in general so either way it's a it's a win win if you ask me it's both a teaching experience for life outside of basketball life inside basketball as well absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. and like uh, would you say it's been, been like somewhat of a, a rewarding experience for you like on and off the court too like has that helped you in like your relationships off the court as well just in general well, yeah, for sure. I, I believe that on and off the court, I've grown just mm-hmm. being there, right? Being away from, you know, things that I'm used to, what I'm familiar with, and being out of my comfort zone always right. brings out the best in you, right? It's kind of a fight or flight kind of situation. Some people don't like it, but I mm-hmm. happen to be one of those people who take on that challenge of, you know, being in a new area, being having to fend for myself and, mm-hmm. like, you know, understand language barriers and go through those things. Mm-hmm. So I, I like it. Teaches it taught me a lot about myself, you know, mm-hmm. I, it, perseverance and everything else. Mm-hmm. Where I was, there was a huge time difference in, in from here. So mm-hmm. um, even though I was basically alone over there, it also felt like I was more alone because I couldn't speak to the people that I speak to on a regular basis. Right. Because when I'm awake, they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. When they're awake, I'm sleeping. You right. Know what I mean, so you kind of got to build something of your own and be just be able to do it on your own exactly you kind of got to roll the punches in that sense yeah. it's it's interesting you say that because <clears throat> pardon me i have a few friends right now who are in asia uh and they're just working over there and like their respective fields whether it's teaching or anything of the sort and anytime i connect to them like we connect through uh through facebook messenger basically yeah. anytime i get to respond to them it's usually like in the evening and when they respond to me it's in the evening on their end yeah, as well it takes like a whole day to get those messages exactly you're just asking like a yes or no question half yeah, the time yeah, as well yeah. <laughs> it's cool though it's cool I, I just love how the nba is kind of expanding on its borders as well and just the sport of basketball in general like we all know soccer footy however you want to call it that's by far the most popular sport in the world yeah. i would argue that basketball is probably number two maybe number three at most but i would say a number two especially when it comes to visibility because unlike any other sports you get to see the player's face exactly. you get to wear their shoes and their gear exactly. on and off off the court whereas in other sports you can't necessarily wear cleats outside the pitch right you can't wear skates outside the ice right so just that visit around with a helmet on there you go yeah so that visibility factor it really helps especially so i think i think basketball is in a good place right now globally with that said we gotta talk about this free agent stuff man i mean it's crazy it's crazy it's It's definitely a crazy offseason i don't think it was as crazy as last year's offseason because that was on steroids but this offseason, it wasn't bad. It was bad. It wasn't bad. Like it was like a, it was a good strong sequel. Not as good as the first, but still a strong sequel on its own. But what it lacked for, as far as you know, the quantity of you know storylines that happened throughout the offseason in comparison to last year, I think it made up for the quality of, of what's what's happened this year. I mean, what's your initial take on this for overall? I mean, I, I feel like there's more stories involved this year only because 
whenever a player like LeBron James goes on to move, they create a story for everything. LeBron right. was on his way to L.A. and sneezed on the way there. Yeah, so, right. Exactly. You know, that, that's a storyline. So right. He took a bus instead of flying. That's a storyline. Right. Like, He's wearing Kobe's shoes. That means something. Yeah, yeah. You know uh, what I mean? So, like, right. just because you have a guy like LeBron in the mix, there's always going to be a story. Yeah. Whereas last year, when you had certain players, they got traded or they, you know, they signed their deal. Yeah. A few weeks after that, it kind of died down. Right. It's just like... Oh, he shows up at Las Vegas Summer League. He's watching Lakers. Exactly. Different things like that. So Mm -hmm. in terms of stories, I would say this year, in terms of more movement, of course, I'd go with last year. Right, right. Because, like, last year, just when you thought it was all over, the Kyrie trade happened. And that was, like, late August, I think, maybe early September. It was, like, right before training camp started. And we're all like, wait, what? It's not done yet? (laughs) It's like watching a Marvel movie, and then you stay for the after credits. Like, oh, there's more. (laughs) Oh, if Thanos is alive. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's crazy though. But no, I agree, man. Like, I just feel like I feel like the storylines this year were a bit more potent. But I felt like more happened last yeah, offseason because like Paul George getting traded to the Thunder, CP3 getting traded to to the Rockets. Yeah, like yeah, so yeah. much. Like Jimmy Butler going to to the Wolves. Like so much. It's like what is going on? Like you couldn't like compartmentalize that all in one moment. It's true, and it was good. I enjoyed it, but. You know, I, I don't know how I feel about this off season. I'm not really. Uh, I'm a Laker guy, but <laughs> this, this one kind of sits with me a different way. I don't know how to feel right now. Okay, you know what? We're gonna get to that in a moment, actually, because I'm an anti-Laker guy. Okay, but like, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Let's talk about the one that hits home first and foremost. All right, so let's talk about the deal between the Raptors and the Spurs. So Kawhi comes over, Demar leaves. Uh, we have some peripheral pieces. So like, Danny Green comes in, we lose Yakupurlo to them, and then we also give them a first round draft pick which is top 20 protected which is actually somewhat of a steal if you ask me because even if it doesn't fall into uh the top 20 it's still gonna be a lower round pick anyway exactly. I, I think it, i think it it parlays itself into two uh um what's it called the second round picks actually if it falls out of the top yeah, 20 yeah. so either way it's kind of a win-win you know unless they draft the next Giannis or something like that but either way it's whatever um what, what was your first initial reactions when this trade went down I was shocked. Okay. I think everyone was shocked, but I was more shocked not because we did the trade. Well, I mean, I was shocked because just a few days prior to that, mm-hmm. uh, Masai said, you know, we're not trading right. DeMar DeRozan. So I was like, okay, DeMar is going to be here to stay. Then I'm thinking right. Kyle Lowry. But I really, to, to be honest, I thought it made more sense to get to trade DeMar. Mm-hmm. But because I, it was, you know, put out there, we're not going to trade DeMar. I thought, okay, you're not going to go back on the word. Then, right. It's a business. Yeah. That's, that's the end of the day. It's a business. So right. Right. <clears throat> I'll say this. When I first heard it, like, I think it was early in the morning when they confirmed like 8 or 9 a.m. I woke up to it. I like, got like the text or the update on like my on, on my phone or whatever. And I was too, tr- too, or too tired to have the full reaction to it. I just looked at it. I'm like, man, whatever, man. Screw this. <laughs> and then yeah. like I got it a couple hours later. And then I'm like, okay, right, let me take it all in. Like I even had people call me who don't normally call me. Like yeah, yeah. they'll just text me if anything, right? So when they were calling me, I'm like, oh, boy, I know exactly what they want to talk about, right? But, yeah, like, just, you know, um, getting the news about it. I mean, it sucks from a personal standpoint because we've watched DeMar grow, become into a better player, and as a man, you know, on an individual basis. And we've we've written for him in terms of, oh, well, he can't shoot threes or he can't do this, can't do that. But, like, he gets progressively better each and every year. And we got to witness that growth and what have you. And then for a player of his caliber to have been drafted by us for us cultivating and then for him to say, yeah, I want to stay – 
And he said, yeah, I want to stay on two separate occasions. It's like, we've never had that before. Yeah. And then we finally get that, and then we trade him away. So from a personal standpoint, it sucks. But like you said, it's a business, so I get it. The only thing I don't like about you know crossing business or personal, personal relationships is the fact that Masai preaches this family-like culture in the Toronto Raptors, basically. So to use that you know, term you know, somewhat loosely and then just trade your biggest guy who didn't want to be traded in the first place – you can't really use that narrative anymore. So why do you understand it's a business? Just don't use things like family and loyalty and whatever because then it becomes a gray area and it almost kind of makes you and your word almost look like it's not ironclad in a sense. So, like, I get it. Business, got to do what you got to do. I'm not saying you have to be some strict authoritarian, but yeah. don't use the term family or any type of kin-like term so loosely in that regard, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I understand. I understand where you're coming mm-hmm. from. And it makes complete sense, but... It's business. Yeah, man. It's, it's a dog eat dog at, world. At the end of the day, you got to do what's best for the team. And I right. believe that's what the choice he, he did, right? Right. I, I don't think that we we didn't make a good trade. I feel like we won getting uh, a player like Kawhi Leonard to our team, right? Right. If he comes back the same guy that he was before that injury, right. then there's no, there's no possible way that you can say that we didn't get better. Right. Plus, we got Danny Green, which we were lacking shooters, right? Which right. A consistent three point shooter. Right. And I, the way I think about it is I'm like, okay. We were first in the East last year. Right, that's great, but first in the East still got us kicked out of the out of the playoffs by right. Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron. Right. Yeah, he left, but were we the next best team? No, because Boston got better. Mm-hmm. Philly is getting better. We wouldn't have got better. We have the same team. We needed to do something. Okay. So I believe that it was now or never. You had the pieces to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And 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 the end of the day, we trust. We've been trusting Masai. So why would we go? wrong with him now or why would we doubt him now right so in regards to who got better and what have you i'll say this so boston i completely agree they got better by not doing anything at all technically because now they're getting their two stars who are kind of in and out of the rotation um i think there's going to be not chemistry issues but knowing how to manage the minutes because uh, for guys like tatum and rosie and all the guys who exploded last year because now hayward and irving are going to be coming back so how do you manage those minutes right so you may not get the same type of production as you got for them unless if you do a completely uh, different type type of small ball movement have like Jalen Brown and AJ Tim on the floor at the same time than than possibility, uh, but beyond that, I still believe that they're like the, the contenders of the East. I would say it's between them and the Raptors. Philly, on the other hand, I think they're pretenders in my personal opinion. Yeah, I do mainly because of the fact of this. So. You have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, two of like the top rising stars in the league. No doubt, they're going to be. They have. Hall of Fame talent, I'll say that. Will it manifest? We don't know yet. Uh, but with that said, when it comes to Joel Embiid, he's going into his fifth season, and he has yet to play a full NBA season. Last year was the closest thing that we got to that. Played roughly around 70 games, and before then he played about 32, and in the first two years he didn't play at all. So he's basically been on a minutes restrictions type of – Not this year coming up. No, not this year coming up. This year, he has a clean bill, uh, clean bill of health, so we'll see how he does. But what I'm saying is his health has been suspect for his entire career. So you, it's not something that you can really trust. You can trust the process, but that portion, I don't know how much trust you can put into that. And then as for Ben Simmons, similar issues as well. Not as not as severe as Joel Embiid, but my main concern with, with uh, Simmons is that he has a non-existent jump shot. He can't shoot anything outside of 10 feet. And when you're a point guard or if you're like someone who needs the ball in his hands, you got to be able to shoot, especially in today's generation. People give the same flat for DeMar Rose for not being able to shoot the three-point shot. we got to give that same energy to Ben Simmons who can't really shoot outside the paint at all. Yes, he's an athletic uh, dynamo. He knows how to find his man, and I love that. But if you're on an ISO or if you're in like a late-game situation and they want to build a play around you – 
got to build that jump shot. You got to. And as far as Markel Fultz is concerned, his jump shot is broken. <laughs> okay? So, like, there's a lot of shooting issues with this team. And then, speaking of shooters, you lost your two best shooters in Ursula Ilasova, and I think it was uh, Mario Bellinelli. They went via free agency. You almost lost J.J. Redick, and even with him, he's, his sh- shooting has kind of declined down a little bit as the years have passed by. And on top of that, you got no general manager. Like, there's so much wrong with Philly, so I can't put them in the list of contenders. Are they one of the best teams in the East? Yeah, sure. But they're not front, They're not ahead of the Raptors. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I won't say that either. There's a lot of people who are saying that, though, and that's why I'm laughing because, yes, I get it. Trust the process. Ben Simmons, they're like this generation's Shaq and Penny. I get it. But, like, I'm not trusting them just yet until they get more pieces around them. What they have right now isn't going to make it out of the East. They got swept by Boston, who had no superstar at all. Well, gentlemen, sweet, mind you. But they got swept by Boston, who had no stars at all, who were able to play on the court. So I can't really take their word seriously on that standpoint. You just said gentlemen, sweep? I did. (laughs) I did. Five games, gentlemen, sweep, man. I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. I mean... I agree with everything that you said. There's nothing that I could disagree to. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, Ben Simmons, is he's the real deal. He, he's real. Don't and get me wrong. The difference between him mm-hmm. and... and, um, and uh, Embiid? No. And DeMar DeRozan is... DeMar, right, right. He finds, his, he finds open guys, right? So right. That's what makes him a threat. Right. A lot of things in basketball make you a threat. Mm-hmm. One is your jump shot. Mm-hmm. Two, ability to get to the rim and get your own shot. And the right. third one is being able to pass the ball. He, he has two of those three. Mm-hmm. DeMar had one. Right. So that's what the difference. DeMar could get his own shot. Right. But he ain't going to give – he's not going to get anybody else open, and he ain't going to shoot the three or hit hit his jumpers. Consistently, at least, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, I agree. Like, Ben Simmons does it more at a more consistent clip than DeMar does. We saw a lot of DeMar's playmaking ability come to life last season. Not on the same level, of course, because that's not his skill set. Yeah. But, like, it, it got better, I would say. Because when you look at it, Ben Simmons averaged – Maybe twenty, I think twenty points a game. Like it was close to that. I think it was about seventeen point something. Yeah, I think he averaged. That's what he was. Yeah, I think it was like it was like seventeen eight and eight. I think that was the stat line for for last year. So when you look mm-hmm. at who is actually you know combining more offensive points on their team, yeah, it's Ben Simmons. Right. Yeah, and I agree. But like that goes back to the point of like what's your supporting cast look look like? Because like I just said, they're devoid of shooters, right? So those stats aren't going to mean a whole lot if you don't have the proper pieces to you know, complement those skill sets. It's true. It's right. true. I would say um, as far as, you know, going back to Kawhi and DeMar and what have you, it was somewhat of a calculated move by, by Masai because, like you said, if we get that top five player in Kawhi that he was, you know, two years ago basically. Top three. Top three yeah, top three. That's more accurate. Yeah. If we get that top three player, then we're laughing at this point, right? Now, it's going to be – now, for me, because Masai made this move, he has basically told me in my mind – it's finals or bust. Not yeah, saying not I saying agree. they're gonna win a championship, but they at least have to make a finals appearance. As far as Eastern Conference finals, we've done that before, right? So you're telling me with this movement side that it's finals or bust. So my expectations are gonna be high because of what moves he has made, basically. It may not be fair, but with this move, that's basically what you're telling me at this point. Otherwise, why trade for why trade DeMar? Well, I agree. That's fair to say. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I thought. When as soon as we traded for Kawhi, I thought finals are bust. Right. right. And it, like you said, we've been to Eastern Conference Finals. We've been as close as we can get. Right. And now it's time that we we take the next step. And we're not saying championship just yet. Right. If we get it, we get it. But at least we got to make that appearance. Exactly. And with Kawhi, you know, 
being in his last year of contract. He's gonna ball. We, he, we got to go for everything that we got. Yeah, we have him. We don't, we're not sure if we can get him next year. I, I doubt it. I'm being pessimistic right now. I'm usually the optimistic guy. I mean, but we've I seen know. it before where a player really wanted to go somewhere else and yeah. they ended up staying. Like Paul George, before <laughs> he went there, he was like, "I'm going to L.A., L.A., right. L.A." That's the only team he wanted to go to. Right. Same type of thing. He had one year in his contract. They traded him because he said he was gonna leave anyway. Right. He goes to OKC, stays there for a year. Next thing you know, he's signing five years or four years with, with right. OKC, right? And there goes L.A. So it, it's possible. I see it. It could happen. Right. But it, now it's up to the team and Masai and who else he brings in. And, mm-hmm. you know, we still have moves to make at the trade deadline because this team right now is who you want to keep before mm-hmm. you make your final trades to make that push to the playoffs and the playoff push. Right. Now, when it comes to Paul George, my personal opinion is this. Paul George didn't resign with OKC. He resigned with Russell Westbrook, okay? Because, <laughs> like, you're going back to a team that had, what, two years ago, they're the MVP of the league, right? And still arguably a top five player in this league. Maybe top six. I'm talking about Westbrook, yeah. Um, so I feel like without Westbrook being there, let's say Westbrook wasn't there and it was just Carmelo Anthony instead, he would have gone to L.A. Like, let, let's, let's be 100 about it. Yeah, I don't think he would have. That's, that's a whole different dynamic, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was just Westbrook. It's knowing that Carmelo wasn't going to be there and having Westbrook there. And you know what? Before Roberson went down, mm-hmm. they actually had a pretty, pretty good team. They had a good shot. Yeah. But he was their defensive guy on the perimeter. Right. So now once he goes down, other people have to go into other, you know, they change up the rotation. People mm-hmm. are playing out of position. Right. You got Carmelo playing the power forward, which he's not, it's not a spot. Nah, not a playing, And you mm-hmm. saw it in the lack of his play. Right. And doesn't help that he's on a decline as well. But yeah, you know, <laughs> he's put been him on in a decline. position he's never played really in his yeah. career. And that kind of put screws him over, you know. So right, right, yeah. I just think like I get it. I get the comparison with the whole Paul George thing, but like with, with Kawhi, it's a bit different because we don't have a superstar like Westbrook on 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 the back end. Too, so we have we have an all star, but we have an all star who's going up in age. Like he's gonna be what thirty three this no, year. Isn't isn't uh, uh, Valanciunas an all star? No, no, he's not. He never was an all star. Never been an all star. He was the MVP of like the the summer league when he was. That's about it, though. But yeah, like, and, and that's no diss to Larry at all because I ride for Larry no matter what, right? Like some people think I'm crazy for it, but if you look at his stats, I mean, this guy was the top the top three point shooter in the Eastern Conference last year. But that's something that no one talks about. He led the league in drawing charges, but again, that's something that no one talks about because his game's not flashy. He doesn't shoot from forty feet like Steph. He doesn't have the dizzying handles like a Kyrie. He's not as intense as Westbrook. He's not as like athletic as Damian Lillard. He's not a flashy point guard. He's this he's he this generation. He gets the job done. That's why I respect him about. He's this generation's. Chauncey Billups, in my opinion, yeah. but people don't see that about Larry, and I'm not sure if Larry, as he is right now, is going to be tantalizing for a Kawhi Leonard to be like, hmm, should I steer or not? I would hope so, as as well as other factors as well. But at the end of the day, like where my mindset is, until I see it, I don't see any reason why he would stay. Think, think about who who uh, the San Antonio Spurs had before Kawhi got injured. Who was their point guard? Um, they had a lot of point guards. It was like Patty Mills. They had Dejounte Murray. Than, is he better than Kyle Lowry? No, definitely not. None of those guys. Mm-hmm. Not even Tony Parker, which came off the bench. Right. So, you know, him being able to work with those guys, mm-hmm. and not an all-star point guard like Lowry. I think being with Lowry is going to open up different things as well. Because Lowry also has heart. You know, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. Yep. You know, he's physical and he, he just he does whatever it takes to win. And that's why a lot of the times we had to ride him out mm-hmm. throughout the fourth quarter. So now I believe that if we have we have him and we have Kawhi. Mm-hmm. 
we're in, we're in a good position. We're in a good position. I, I definitely see that. I mean, Kawhi did play with LaMarcus Aldridge, who's still playing at somewhat of an all-star level as well. But I see your point. Um, all we have to do right now is wait and see how it materializes on the court. Because we can speculate till our faces turn blue, but like we won't know anything for certain until the season plays out. In my mind, I just want to go straight to the postseason. You know what I mean? Yeah, all yeah, we all do. Because we want to see what we can do now. And like, kind of going back to that before I go to the next topic in our you know, free agency breakdown. I, me personally, heading into this offseason, I wanted the Raptors to acquire a third star. Maybe not a Kawhi, for example, but I felt like the Raptors were always lacking in that, in that power forward spot. My personal opinion, I don't think Ibaka is a power forward. He's a center at best. He doesn't really have any post moves to play at power forward. I was hoping because Cleveland lost LeBron, they would make a play for Kevin Love. Trade him for trade for him for Jonas Valanciunas, and then maybe even like attach like a first round pick or like second round or whatever the case may be. That way you have your legitimate four man who can play in the post like he did in Minnesota, and then also who just so happens to have the ability to sh- to shoot the three point shot. That would have been a a, a crucial move had they been able to pull it off. But now they can't because they extended him and they're not going to try and trade for a guy who's being owed $120 million over four years. But I would have I would have loved to have seen them do that move. That would have made sense in my opinion. It's the same Kevin Love that everyone claimed was a bum when LeBron was there. That same Kevin Love. But now all of a sudden he's looked at more valued as soon as LeBron leaves. Yeah. There's a side note I thought was crazy. Right. But I ne- actually never thought about having Kevin Love on the Raptors but that him, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kawhi and Larry, that would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. See. Very, I think we would have had a good run. Oh, for sure. With that. And I just believe that Cleveland, over that, what, four years that he was on the squad, I just feel like they were using him incorrectly. Like, they oh, made him a spot-up three-pointer. He's not a spot-up three-pointer. He's a power forward who has the ability to stretch the floor, and they just didn't know how to use him. And that's the thing. When you go, you play with LeBron, you play the LeBron fence, is what I call it. It's the like, LeBron fence. <laughs> It's not, it's not offense, it's LeBron fence. It's the LeBron fence. Don't kill me. All right, speaking of LeBron, let's get to him right now, actually. So he made the move to L.A. and signed with the Lakers. Um, me, personally, I don't like the Lakers. All right? I don't like the team, the culture, the pretentiousness that they breed. I don't like That's any of that. I'm That's sorry. Insane. I'm sorry. I can be Mr. Anti on this one. I, I just don't like it. It's not like I made a snap decision and said to myself, yeah, I don't like them for that. I've, I've witnessed it. For years, the way people talk about them in the media, as far as like they'll make every episode a first take or or undisputed about the Lakers, even when they're not doing well. Will the Lakers make the playoffs? What's Lonzo Ball doing? What kind of cereal is Kobe Bryant eating? All that stuff. Now, me, when it comes to like player movement, I'm all for it. You can go anywhere you want. You have the free autonomy to do so when you're a free agent. Go for it. I just don't like the fact he went to the Lakers. I, I just don't like it. You know what I mean? Like, I hope he does well for himself. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like the Lakers. What did you think about that move? <laughs> well, see, I'm the complete opposite of you. I'm a Laker guy. Okay. I grew up watching Kobe. He was my first favorite player. Right. You know, and I got to watch, I believe, almost every game of this man's career right. since he got drafted. Right. And so, like, you know, that's the Lakers is, is owned by Kobe, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> so I was like, okay, the Lakers is Kobe, you know, Cleveland, that's LeBron, Chicago, it's always going to be Jordan. Right. There's certain things you just don't do. You don't go into another man's territory. No, boy. Like how they were going over there. And like, don't get me wrong, LeBron is a great player. Right. I, I like LeBron. Right. You know, he, he, he's one of the greatest of all time. But okay. Come on now. Come on now. You don't do that. You just don't. It's like Kobe <laughs> going to Cleveland or him going to Chicago and wearing 23. You just okay. don't do that. It's insulting. So now, well, he's not wearing twenty four though, or eight. I don't care. You just don't do it. Stick to what. Stick to where you are and stay there. Like, <laughs> you, 
He comes there automatically. I have King so of much LA. to say. That's disrespectful. I have so much to That's say. That's very disrespectful. All the legends that came before him, and he's the king of LA, never even played a minute. He just now put out a Laker jersey. This is the first time he even put it on when I saw him just warming up the other day, going through a couple, you know, plays and whatever. Right, but, right, right. Nah, it, he looks good in the jersey. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, God. <laughs> he, does, he does. But, you know, I, I wish him well, but. <laughs> But not oh too God. well. But not too well. Okay. See, and this is why I hate Lakers culture. You guys are getting the greatest basketball player of this generation, and you're not happy about it. This is like going to the keg. You're getting a steak, medium rare, well done, however you like it, and then you say, oh, there's too much seasoning. Like, you're getting LeBron freaking James. And he didn't call himself the king of L.A. There was an artist who painted a mural who painted the words king of L.A. He didn't proclaim that. Let me tell you what LeBron paints, though. He don't paint the name, but he'll paint the narrative. He'll do that much. Oh, my God. And go in there and not saying anything. Oh, my God. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And he's a damn good artist at that, painting those narratives. So here's what I got to say about him going there. Like, I understand, you know, he's one of the greatest athletes of this, greatest athlete of the generation by far, greatest basketball player of this generation. It depends on what you call this generation. Because my man Kobe's been holding it down for 20. Oh, get up. He's been holding it down for 20. For 20? For 20. Bullshit. I'm sorry. Listen. (laughs) Listen. I'll say this. I'll say this. From 2010 till now, LeBron's been running the league. Nope. 2000 and 2012. He was the MVP in 2010 at Ottawa. What do you mean? That doesn't mean nothing. Of course it means something. He won a championship in 20, was it 2012, 2013, 2014? No, hold on. No, 2012. That was when he won his first title with Miami. 2012 against um, OKC when he won his first title. That was in 2012. And then 2013, he won against the Spurs when Ray Allen hit the corner shot. And then he won his first title with Cleveland back in 2016. So, yeah, three championships. So, he's had we, that. We're not arguing what, of, of the championships. We're arguing when. Okay, yeah. And he won those in 2012. That was his first title against OKC when they still had Harden, Westbrook, and, and KD. Then he won it the second year in a row against the Spurs. Remember when Ray Allen hit that corner shot in the like, game six? And then 2016 when he was on Cleveland when he came down from 3-1 to win the series. We'll have to get a facts check on that, but. It's okay. Okay, fair enough. All right. My, my point is this. My point is this. In 2000, from 2010 to 2008, LeBron was the best player in the league. When Kobe was having his run, people were having debates as to whether he was the best or whether T-Mac was the best or whether AI was the best. He was never definitively the best player in the league. That's How are true. you going to be the best player in the league when that's you get bounced true. out of the first round like three years in a row? That's not true. What do you mean that's not true? You didn't get bounced out of the round, first round three years in a row? That. What I'm saying is this. There's always going to be a debate about who's the best. It's never clear cut. Even right now when people are saying LeBron's the best, people say KD's the best. People say... Whomever, you know, things people were saying Steph Curry. How could you not say Steph Curry when he was a two-time unanimous MVP? Never, ever happened. So it's not clear-cut to say LeBron's been the best. What makes him better than KD? KD has now won two championships back-to-back, two finals MVPs back-to-back, right? He's had the best team in the league. He's been the MVP. Why is LeBron still better than him? He plays positions one through five because now the traditional center is out. KD is like the biggest guy on the court. He averages more blocks, more points, same amount of rebounds. The only thing he lacks is assists, and he's playing better defense than LeBron. Why is LeBron better? Okay, he shoots better. 
He does everything better. Okay, and I'll retort to that. First and foremost, I just want to say that I'm more of a KD fan than LeBron fan. Just subjective reasoning alone, basically. With that said, people will say that LeBron is better because he averages. He usually averages more points or at least the same amount of points than KD does. Averages more rebounds, averages more assists, has been a better playmaker, been the better post player in recent seasons. Also, you have to take into account that every team LeBron has been on for the last eight years has, well, for his entire career, but let's just say the eight years in particular, has been his team. Not saying that KD didn't take control over the Warriors, but that's yes, a team... I know, he did. I agree. But that is a team that he inherited, okay? That's that's the one thing that may work against KD, or has been working against KD for the last couple of years. Me, personally, I don't care. As long as you're the best player on that team, cool. But at the end of the day, that's going to be a strike against him. With LeBron, he took a team of nobodies, and took them to the finals last year. Can, can now my question to you, and this can be a rhetorical question. You can leave a rhetorical if you like. Hold, hold on, just give me. Just let me ask my question. With the rotation of players that LeBron had last year, would KD would have been able to do the same thing with that same type of lineup? Essentially, absolutely. In the Eastern Conference, Kevin Durant would have been able to bring that team to the finals. You have Kevin Love. You got J.R. Smith. You got this person. You got that. He had a damn near all-star team before he asked to get traded away. What? And this was the team he asked for. No, I'm talking about the team that he had in this current and then this saying, and then past saying current after, season. After exactly when he remember he had Dwayne Wade, Derrick Rose, he had this, he had that, he had that. Right. And he got them all traded. He said, "Oh, we got a squad now." Right. They won seven games straight. We got a squad. Right. And all of a sudden, they start losing. I need more. You asked for that. Team. <laughs> you matter of fact, you asked for the team you had before that. Okay. You've asked for every team you had since you came, since you went to Miami. Right. So what are you complaining about? Right. I think that Kevin okay. Durant would have been able to – it's the Eastern Conference. It ain't that hard. Well, I look at it. Well, I agree with the fact that you just say that, like, he requested that team. Like, I, I've been saying that for years as well. But the people that he requested to come on the team, like, at the start of last season – it wasn't a good fit because they're all ball dominant players. Isaiah Thomas, yeah, Derrick Rose, all those guys are past their primes. It was like it was like back in the day when Charles Barkley joined the Rockets with Akeem and, and Clyde Drexler, all past their prime. It, it it was a past their prime squad. Had like Dwayne Wade was on a team, like the team didn't make any sense. They were just loading up on guns at that point. It just did not make sense. It wasn't a good semblance. I agree to that. Now with KD, had he gone there, had he, you know, that's all hearsay at this point. Like obviously the money, the uh, the, the 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 safe money would be to say, oh, Oh yeah, well of course they would have made it to the finals of the Eastern Conference, et cetera, et cetera. But at, until that's actually played out, we don't know that for a well, fact. Then we can't say no, but we can't say yes either. It's pretty pretty but much in limbo at this point. It's a hypothetical. Like all this is it's hypothetical. Hypothetical. But KD is one of the best talents in basketball that we've ever seen. Oh yeah, of course so I agree. To say that he wouldn't bring that squad if he's one of the best talents that we've ever seen in yeah. the history of basketball. To say he wouldn't have brought that squad. To the Easter, to the finals, right? And LeBron has been able to do it, and he's also one of the best talents. Plus, anywhere that KD has went, he's always made the team better. But he's I always think been the best player, and the team has always become better once he gotten there. No matter the talent of the team, right? But I think it's all about. Your talent, well, not your, well, not just your talent level, but what skill sets you have that complement the rest of your team as well. LeBron is a better facilitator than Kevin Durant, in my opinion, and also he has people around him that will make use of that facilitation skill. Like LeBron is the type of player like he'll drive into the lane, kick it out for the guy to shoot the open three. That's why he has shooters galore around the perimeter all the time. KD, he has the benefit of having shooters around him, but he's usually the type of guy who can go on the ISO if he really wants to as well. And that's the thing. That's very, very arguable because. 
Kevin Durant is a good facilitator as well. He is, yeah. When Steph Curry went down, all his point guards went down. Mm -hmm. When Westbrook went down and he played 11 games, mm -hmm. he had six triple-doubles in those 11 games. Mm -hmm. When Steph Curry went down, he had to play the point guard. Right. He had four triple-doubles in five games. <clears throat> so he was playing the point guard. It's not that he can't do it. Right. He doesn't need to do it. And that's the big difference. Right. So to say that he couldn't do this and he can't do that, it's crazy because when you look at his numbers, he only he averaged five assist, 5.5 assists per game this year. Mm -hmm. LeBron averaged seven. And LeBron has the ball in his hand 98% of the time. But here's the thing with Kevin Durant. He's not the top assist guy on the team. It's not even Steph Curry. It's Draymond Green. He is the top facilitator on that team. So really the point guard dudes will fall upon him because he's better at that. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say that he can't facilitate. I'm just saying LeBron is a better facilitator in that regard. I will say this, however. KD, to me, is the better scorer. Like, we've never seen a guy who scores as efficiently and, and as, as Kevin Durant. And why he doesn't facilitate as much. Right. Why drive to the rim and kick it out when you can drive to the rim and shoot over anybody? Right, exactly. And a high percentage. Right. And Very I, effective. Yeah, and I agree with that. Like, that, that just goes to his skill set. So with that being said... Knowing what we know about Kevin Durant and his skill set, would that mesh well with the squad that LeBron had? Would it have been conducive to winning an NBA, not even winning an NBA title, or just at least getting you, to the promised land? Need this. this is a better question. Sure. The skill set that Kevin Durant has, yeah. he's so good, he can go to any team and, and, and gel and mesh in them. Because he can do whatever. He can play off ball. Right. He could, he could you know, be the focal point. He could be the second guy. He can be whatever you need. He can mm -hmm. be a spot-up shooter. You know? So I believe he can go anywhere and still be successful. Right. Now, I don't think that if you put LeBron James on Golden State Warriors, they'd be the same team that they are because he's a ball-dominant person. He can't play off-ball. He can't do – there's a lot of things that he can't do that no one talks about, mm -hmm. and that's going to hinder your team, which is why he needs the ball so much in his hands mm -hmm. because if you take that ball in his hands, you look at a guy like Kyrie Irving who's like, you know what, I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> because he's like, yo, I'm a point guard. People are bashing me saying I don't pass the ball enough. Right. But LeBron has the ball. For friggin' 16 seconds. I get the ball eight seconds left. I'm a scorer. What the hell do you think I'm going to do? Right. Bucket. You know what I mean? So now you see he goes to Boston. He becomes that player that people thought he wasn't. And it just goes to show you that, you know, LeBron playing with other guys who are ball dominant doesn't really work in, in, his, in LeBron's favor because there's just not enough ball to go around if you have two, you know, alpha, alpha guys who can mm -hmm. handle the ball, right? So could he fit in with a Golden State? What do you think? Oh, um, that's would he play? Could he play off ball, and would he be shooting jumpers? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because, like I mentioned, Draymond Green is the guy who is the top facilitator of that team. So, with that said, I think they would have to work out a scenario between him and Draymond as far as who would get the, I guess, the point guard duties or point four duties, so to speak. Um, it's very hard for me to picture that lineup together just because. It's just very odd. It seems how they've gone to battle back and forth over the years. The only thing I can think of is maybe like uh, like a Team USA basketball type of scenario in that regard as far as like who would be the, the ball-dominant guy as far as facilitating and what have you. So imagine that again. Mm -hmm. Again, like I said, it's playing that LeBron fence. Why is it that KD, LeBron why is it that KD can go? <laughs> Yo, I can't get over that. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> why is it that KD can go to any team and just fit into any offense? 
but you got to change things around when LeBron gets there. Well, see, here's the thing right there. It's like we've only seen KD go to one team. But we've seen LeBron go to multiple, and it all cha- turns into LeBron fans. But it's, it's technically two teams if you, if you really think Miami, about it. Miami, Cleveland, but there was different players and puzzles. When oh, yeah, fair, fair, fair. I mean? so, fair enough. And if you even calculate the way that he's been switching teams around, he probably had like six teams. He had a different team at <laughs> the beginning of the season that a whole completely different fair team. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, I'll say this, I'll say this, I'll say this. When it comes to any superstar talent, you still have to find a way to acclimate your your team philosophy to their level of play. Because at the end of the day, the whole goal is to play around them. Now, Golden State's offense, it's very or just their whole style overall, it's very unique. Because my personal opinion, I've always said this, they remind me on the offensive end what the, the Phoenix Suns were in the, the mid-2000s. As a, with a mixture of what the San Antonio defense was during that same period. And the centerpiece around that was Steve Kerr because he was a player for the Spurs back in the earlier 2000s and was an executive for the Phoenix Suns. So he helped you know, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. anchor that style of play basically to what we know now. So I think with that style of play, it's almost like anyone – can 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 mesh and gel into that system because it's a free flowing offense. Everyone switches on defense. KD is is enough of an athletic marvel to switch on on any opponent and what have you. And he can get his own buckets as well as you know somewhat creating for others. So I think that particular system enhances any player that comes to that team. I mean, look at Javale McGee. He has one of the lowest IQs in the entire NBA, and he somehow made it his own to to play on that squad. Well, I mean. Again, when you play with guys like Steph Curry and, and you know, KD and Clay, all those type of guys like that, it becomes much easier. They, right. I don't even think they tell them any plays. They just say run to the rim. <laughs> these guys are going to find you. Right. Whenever you see them with the ball, just dive into the rim. You don't get it, get up, then dive in again. That's right. pretty much what it looks like. Or just go get the rebound. Something like that, you know? Keep right. It's simple. Yeah. But I, it's it's hard. When you, when you have a guy who you have to change – completely change the offense for mm-hmm. or he doesn't have a specific skill set because as we all know that offense is built around being able to shoot the basketball because they do that at a high volume right you're talking about Golden State right yeah exactly okay right so having a guy out there on the floor as you can see like when Iguodala <laughs> comes on it mm-hmm. changes but it's just Iguodala and Draymond Green mm-hmm. they still try to put as many shooters with those two guys as possible right because you don't want to overexpose those guys right and you'll see they'll back off of Iguodala they'll back off of Green almost dare them to shoot exactly because they would rather it be them than Obviously, the Splash Brothers or, or KD. Right. So it just – that's why I say put KD anywhere, and it, it, he's he's good to go. Right. On any team in the league, you throw KD, and he's good. Right, yeah, because I think KD – and I agree and with you. Don't won't change me, the offense. Right, and, yeah, and, I, and don't get me wrong. I agree with you. Like, I've been saying that about KD for the longest time. And it's mainly because of the fact that KD represents the type of player that – uh, coaches, executives, and scouts are looking for someone who is very all around, who can play multiple positions, who can play on both sides of the floor as well. So that's why guys like him and Anthony Davis, you know, even though they're losing seasons, are still held in high and regard. He take away from anybody. That's the thing, right? And I, again, I like LeBron. He's one of the best talents we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But his game takes away from other people's game. You know, so you right. you almost have to surround him with shooters. Because right. Anybody else who handles the ball is not going to be you know as valued as they would have been without him on the floor. Right. Like, it took a, it took a little bit away from, from Chris Bosh, as, as we saw. And he took complained. Away. He complained. He said he yeah. didn't like playing with LeBron. Exactly. And took away from Kevin Love as well. He and mo- and too. Yeah. And, it's hard to play. and most people would argue that, well, Kevin Love was the only guy on his team, on his sub-500 team. That's why he was able to get so many points. Some people would argue that. I could see he that, but at the, the same... Western Conference, he it, did it. Exactly, yeah. And he was an all-star and all that. Like, he, he averaged some monstrous numbers. Like, exactly. that, like, you... Yeah. Like you want on one point, yeah, sure you could say stat padding 
quote unquote, it's but no like fluke. it's no fluke. Like twenty eight and twelve is not an easy feat to accomplish. Like yeah, it's, it's that, difficult. yeah, that's like not even twelve. It was like fourteen. Was it fourteen? Jeez. I just remember he had like a 31-32 game at one point in yeah, time. Like yeah, he yeah. was legitimate the best power forward in the NBA at one point in time. But hey, we could argue about this till the cows come running home. Overall, I think LeBron James is the best player of this current generation. Easily top five all time, in my opinion. For sure, for sure. Um, but nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, listening at home, what do you guys think? I really want to know your comments and your questions and concerns about this. So feel free to hit me up on all my social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. The next thing we're going to go into is Trip Talk. So that's three of the hottest topics taking over pop culture. And since we're kind of talking about basketball already, let's kind of parlay this from basketball to politics. So as we already know, LeBron James uh, opened up his I Promise School in Akron, Ohio. Uh, is open to third and fourth graders and basically just providing them a lot of the opportunities that he didn't have growing up as far as like educational supplies and what have you. And he's basically funding it out of his own pocket. So everyone's been going off, you know, about how great of a, of a feat this was and rightfully so because like it's something that's well needed, especially in today's society. However, one person that did not agree was the head of state, uh, the uh, the sovereign ruler of the United States of America. And I am talking about Donald J. Trump. So basically, Trump went off to disrespect LeBron James and Don Lemon, a CNN correspondent who was interviewing him about said school and basically said how, you know, he was being interviewed by one of the dumbest people in all of news and Don Lemon and making LeBron look smart is not an easy feat to accomplish. Some something around those lines. And then he concluded by saying the most petty pettiest thing ever by saying, "Oh, I like Mike better," as in Michael Jordan. <laughs> so LeBron didn't respond to it at all, nor should he. Uh, but Don Lemon did basically, and basically just kind of uh, dissected. Donald Trump's philosophy on how to run the country and how he divides the country with racist rhetoric and how he basically picks apart, you know, black individuals and calls them dumb or, or incoherent or lacking knowledge or, or anything of the sort. Basically going back to the black stereotype that black people are dumb and ignorant and what have you. Because if you notice, and this is one of the very rare times I agree with Don Lemon, all the people that Trump has verbally attacked have been either black or just other people of color and basically questioning their intelligence. If it's any white people in particular, he'll just say whatever, they're lame or something like that. Like he won't question their intelligence. Um, but either way, do you believe that A, LeBron should have responded? And B, why is Donald Trump like this? <laughs> well, you know, out of this whole entire thing, uh-huh. and I never agree with Donald, but only right. one thing I agree with him is, you know, I feel like Mike is better. <laughs> he was right about that. Oh, other man. than that, <laughs> other than that, um, no, I'm, I don't think that LeBron needed to respond. You know, he's he knows what he's doing. He's doing a great thing for the community and, you know, holding himself accountable. And, you know, when you're a person of LeBron's stature and you're empowered, mm-hmm. I can't, it's almost like your duty to try to kind of give back and, you know, build up your community <laughs> somewhere where you came from right. and to try to help everybody else become a better person. So, you know, I applaud LeBron for that. Right. Everything he's doing is, is you know, it's it's second to none. Right. Off the court, he's definitely the GOAT, mm-hmm. for sure, hands down. Mm-hmm. And, and what was the B? Uh, B, like, why Donald Trump has to be like this? <laughs> oh, Donald, man. Yeah. <laughs> just being Donald. Right, right. <laughs> Nothing that he does surprises me anymore. Yeah. Nothing at all. From when he got elected and he started... You know, the grabbing people in places. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're in for a ride. Dude. Right. Now anything's possible. You know what I mean? Like, right. How, you be, how can you be where you are and be doing that kind of stuff? It right. Make any sense? Absolutely. But 
when he does it, it somehow it's not, you know, it's not looked upon as something that's as negative. If that was Obama doing that kind of stuff, he would get shitted on. Right? He'd be you know, exiled he'd be to Kenya. <laughs> you see, and see, and that that goes to my point actually. Donald Trump is the living embodiment of white privilege. You can do as much, you know, terrible things, but because of that inheritance, people either brush it to the side or they won't take immediate swift action upon it. But let that be Obama or anyone, any other person of color or a woman, in fact. Let that be LeBron grabbing somebody like Right? I mean, look how we reacted when Tiger Woods got caught in that infidelity case. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we canceled him so quickly after that. Some people kind of accept him because, oh, he really is one of us. It's yeah, stupid, yeah. right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, like let that be a person of color and see how drastically things will change. And going to Don Lemon, when he said Don Lemon was one of the dumbest people in news, I'm not going to say he was right. But like I said before, I've had my issues with Don Lemon in the past. Like, maybe, like, Three, four years ago, he was very arrogant, very smug about certain things that he said in the news or how he reported or how he yeah. conducted interviews. Yeah. And I'm just like, like even like I'll be watching news with my dad sometimes. Like, yo, why do you watch this guy? He's like, yo, he's one of the few black people we have on TV. We got to support him. I'm like, nah, man. Like, you can't support people who say stupidness sometimes, right? You know it's, it's, and I agree with you. you yeah. Can't, you can't just do that just because of color or right. whatever it is, you know? But. Nothing, like I said, nothing in this day and age surprises me. And, and every time that you're doing something, mm-hmm. there's always a motive behind it. Everyone has a motive for why they're doing it. And right. sometimes people ask questions or put people <laughs> in certain situations yeah. because they're looking for that reaction. Yeah. These days, everything is about views. And right. whatever is going to get you to that you know, that pinnacle of your views or your likes or people, you, you know, you trending or people talking about you right. to get you the more airtime or whatever it is, right. sometimes they do it. It's true, yeah. They, they, they're out here being a performance artist as well as now yeah, being exactly, cleaned up as exactly. um, going with the you know Don Lemon. Like over the last couple of years, I've noticed a growth and maturity in, in him. Like he he's more dignified now. He asks the right questions. Like he puts people in their place that they're doing wrong. So I will give him credit for that. So when he said um, dumb person like Don Lemon, I kind of laughed a little bit because I I thought about the Don Lemon from the past, yeah. not the current Don Lemon. The current Don Lemon, you can't say that about him now because he. He, he knows his stuff. But past on limit, it kind of gave me a chuckle a little bit. But uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, like, you're, no, you're definitely right with all the points that you're hitting. Like, people will say stuff just to get a reaction, what have you. And I personally don't think that LeBron needs to say anything. Because that's why it's, I thought he was a bigger man. Just not, exactly, you know, yeah. Knowing where he stands and his place and all of this. Yeah. And, you know, he just put out to school, and it's a great thing. There's exactly. no reason to respond to that. Yeah. I don't care who, to, even if it's the president of the United States. Yeah. Because probably nothing good was going to come out. Exactly. And the beauty about it is that people responded for him. Exactly. So you wouldn't have to. So you already know who people are riding with at, at this day and age. But it's funny how you can still do so many charitable things for your community, uplift the community in so many different ways like he's doing with the school, and still be maligned all well, because – That's the thing. It's, what I always say is like you know you're, you're chasing – you know you're approaching greatness when mm-hmm. people start to hate you. Yeah. Because nobody, ha- everybody hates when something's great. Right. If you're not doing anything, nobody has anything to say. Right. And you're probably not on that path. You right. Know what I mean, so you get attacked when you're at the top, and obviously LeBron's there, so he's just getting, he's getting, he has to be the one to get the sticks and stones. But apparently, he's not going to break those bones. So yeah, there you go. Hey, the man hasn't been injured in, in his entire career, so there you go, right? <laughs> on or off the court, he's rock solid. He's man. good, man. He's good. I pray that a scandal does not hit him because if it does, oh, it's going to hurt. That's going to hurt because he's like one of the only few ones left right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But nonetheless, what do you guys think? Uh, again, hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC to share your thoughts. And 
the second topic we got, man, we got to talk about this Kanye stuff, all right? So I came across this. I think it was today, actually, that I came across this. Basically, I think it was last night. He was on the Jimmy Kimmel show, and he was talking about the whole reason why he wore the MAGA hat and, and you know, what he had to go through before he decided he was ready to wear and to express his meaning behind him wearing the hat and all this other stuff, right? So Kanye was kind of being his hypocritical self in this moment that i've that i've been i've been saying for the longest time and so just to further dissect what he said i actually pulled a couple of clips from last night's episode of jimmy kimmel just so we can have more context into what he's saying so let's get into the first clip shall we ladies and gentlemen you are going to love this let's get into that first clip right before i went to the hospital and i expressed myself and when I came out, I had lost my confidence. So I didn't have the, the confidence to take on the world and the possible backlash. And it took me a year and a half to have the confidence to stand up and put on the hat, no matter what the consequences were. And what it represented to me is not about policies, and because I'm, I'm not a politician like that, but it, represent, it represented overcoming fear and doing what you felt, no matter what anyone said, and saying, you can't bully me. Liberals can't bully me. News can't bully me. The hip-hop community, they can't bully me. Because at that point, if I'm afraid to be me, I'm no longer yay. That's what makes yay. And I actually quite, I quite enjoy when people uh, actually are mad at me about certain things. You must like, enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so before we get to the second, the second clip, let me just point out a few things. So this guy said he, he sat on the thought of wearing that hat for a year and a half. Meaning you actually had time to think about the pros and cons, you know, constructively, all right? And then the second thing, he says, you know, I wore the hat not because of the politics or anything because, you know, I'm not a politician. Yet you're the same man who said you want to run for president in 2020, but okay. And you're also the same man who met with Trump to discuss policies in this Trump Tower, but okay. And then to cap it all off, he says, oh, I just like getting a rise out of people. So you basically just openly admitted that you're trolling. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Let, 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 let's get to the second clip. Let's get to the second clip. Let, shout out to all the Kanye fans, by the way, the delusional Kanye fans, by the way. This one, oh, this one brought this one brought tears of joy in my heart. When I see people just even like go at the president, it's like, why not try love for one person to stand up against all odds and just hug somebody the way that Alice Johnson hugged her family when she got out of jail, that one by one by one, we can defuse this nuclear bomb of hate that we're in as a society by thinking of everyone as our family and how would we treat our kids, how would we treat I our I think aunties. that's a beautiful thought, but yeah. just in literal terms, yeah. there are families being torn apart at the border of this country. There are, are literally families being torn apart as a result of what this president is doing. And I think that, you know, we cannot forget that, whether we like his personality or, or not, the, his actions are really what, what matter. I mean, you so famously and so powerfully said, George Bush doesn't care about black people. It makes me wonder what makes you think that Donald Trump does or any people at all. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back and uh, Kanye West. Okay, first of all, Jimmy Kimmel, you get this. And you also get this. 
you, good sir, are invited to the cookout on any given moment. The Jamaican cookout, the Ghanaian cookout will give you all the jollof rice you can have on your plate. Anything, all right? That's that's one thing. Secondly, my goodness, like, <laughs> I'm so glad someone brought that up because no one publicly on a main stage like that has brought up the fact that he once infamously said George Bush don't care about black people, yeah. yet he wants to love and care for someone who doesn't care about black people or anyone for that matter who just happens to be tearing children away from their parents at the border because he thinks they're alleged rapists, all because they're not American. <laughs> oh, my God. Justin, what do you guys say about this, man? I mean, as we all know, Kanye's always been all over the place. Right. He's delusional. He's, he's delusional. He must have a short-term memory because right. the things that he says, even in this interview, contradict with what he, he's later on said in the second clip. Wearing that, the MAGA hat, I get it. Like, he, sometimes you do things for reactions, mm-hmm. and you say you thought about this for a year and a half. Yeah. But some things just aren't worth all that trouble. Right. Why would you put... You, you could have wore any hat. You know what I mean? He said, oh, I want to be different. I want to show people I could stand up for myself. But this is not standing up for yourself. No. This is standing against your people. Mm-hmm. Is what I believe. Yeah. So, you know, especially like you said, he, he said talking about George Bush doesn't like black people going up and being so brave to say it out on a main stage like that and then mm-hmm. going against somebody who we know publicly doesn't, you like, know, black who doesn't like black people. Yeah. So I think Jimmy did a great job of putting him on the spot. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he needed to go on break because he needed something. Right. <laughs> and ironically, it was a white man telling him this. Exactly. When you're hearing it from somebody outside your community, that should ring some bells in your head. And on top of that, he's saying, oh, we should love, love Donald Trump or what have you. But where is that love for Obama? Like exactly. you you cursed out Obama on a multitude of occasions just because, just because he called you a jackass for what you did to Taylor Swift, which was jackassery behavior. Like let, let's keep it 100. Um, and on top of that, it's just like overall the sheer hypocrisy of his rhetoric. Like when he said he took a year and a half to think about wearing that hat or not wearing that hat, he was only thinking about his album rollout because that was the only time he wore that hat when he knew he had an album out on the and way as well as a string of albums that were related to him on the way. He, he's he trending did and everybody's talking Exactly. About like, this wasn't some sort of conscious effort, effort to bring love and happiness to everyone together. No, this is just for your album rollout. Like, stop the nonsense. And all the people who are saying, oh, separate the artist from the music – don't get me wrong. I'm a proponent of that. I agree with that. But with Kanye, it's different because Kanye, what he says outside of a recording booth, he also says inside of a recording yeah. booth. He has been that since day one. Kanye West, the artist, Kanye West, Kanye West, the person, are one and the same. There is no alter ego. They are the same body. It's not no shadow clone jutsu. They are the same person. Okay? So that is why with the rhetoric he's saying right now, it's deadly, it's dangerous, and it's just like the evolution of Kanye and people will say, well, he's always been like this. And I agree. He's always been the type to be counterculture. Like I'm a rapper who doesn't wear baggy clothes. Okay, cool. I'm a rapper who, or sorry, I'm a producer who makes soul beats, not crunk. Okay, cool. I'm a rapper who will make, who wants to make, you know, Christian themes sort of mainstream. He makes Jesus walks. I'll make multiple music videos for one single. And he did that again with Jesus walks with flashing lights, et cetera, et cetera. But now he's just taking it to a whole nother level. Like, he reminds you of those people who are nonconformist. You know what I mean? Like, they'll conform to the idea of nonconformity, but you're still conforming to something. You know what I mean? So it's just like, what are you trying to do, man? Like, like fall back, please. You know what they say? I miss the old kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the man that called dropout Kanye. Yo, he would have had some things to say to this. Yo, one. yeah, that one. That, after those two albums, I was like, all right, he's 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 a lot yeah. different than he was before. I was done. To be honest, I was done after Jesus. I was done after that because I always said, you know, Kanye can say as much stupid stuff as he wants to, but at least the man makes good music. But when Jesus dropped, I'm like, yo, this is not good. Yeah. And then Life of Pablo came out. I'm just like, it's all right. Like, it's better than Jesus, but it's all right. Like, it was rushed. The production didn't sound as crisp. And then the Ye album, I didn't even listen to that. I wasn't even going to waste my time, to be honest. So I don't have an opinion on that one. But based on his last two albums, based on what he's been saying right now, I just I don't want to spend 20 minutes listening to it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm wiping my hands clean. My cup runneth over. All that stuff. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I can't. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I just don't like the Kanye apologists, man. Like, those are the people that are pissing me off just as much as Kanye. Oh, my God. By the way, talk to your boy, Ryan, because I listened to his podcast episode maybe a few months ago, and there, him and Zamora were defending Kanye. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, shout out to Mr. KOA. That's my guy. But we, we got some things to talk about the next yeah, time you come like around here. Oh, man. But nonetheless, man, like, you made some good points about it. Like, anything to, to add on to that before the next topic? No, no, no. We covered it all. I'm sick of Kanye, so let's, yeah. let's wipe our hands with this guy. Right. I'll bump anything from College Dropout to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But after that, nah, that's I'll leave that for the new kids, man. They, they can have that, yay. Yeah. We had the better, yay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll give you our recycles. <laughs> but nonetheless, what do y'all think? Again, hit me up on social media, at Cool Radio CC, and share your thoughts on that. And final topic before we get into our to our last topic of the evening, let's get into some Nicki Minaj real quick. All right, so she came out with a new album uh, today, uh, which is Friday, entitled Queen. Um, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but apparently she has a whole bunch of guest tracks on there. She has Foxy Brown on there, Takashi Six Nine on there, a, a, a plethora of other people as well. Um, the album cover is just her posing like 80% butt naked like she normally does all the time. She has a few things, you know, covering her tatas and all that stuff, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for sexuality. That's cool. But, like, I feel like we've been getting that from her from the very beginning. So my question is this. Nicki Minaj's album is out. Why should we care if it's the same Nicki? Well, here's the thing. Here's, yeah. my, here's my thoughts on that. Me, I like Nicki. Okay. To be honest. And always, Nikki. Nikki's my my Nikki. Okay. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> but I mean, like the barbs, <laughs> right? If people liked her from the jump, yeah, and she's the same, right? And those same people should like her plus more. If she's displaying the same consistency, at least you know what you're gonna get, right? So if you cared before, then you should care. You should care now. It's new music. I can't say it's improved music, but it's new music, right? You know what I mean. Other than that. I don't see why you should care. Yeah, because like for me, it's like she—it's the same aesthetic we've seen for the last few years. Like you're you're borrowing from the Asian aesthetic or what have you. You're talking about you being a bad bitch, bad bitch, this bad bitch, that. Every man is on my, you know what? We like we 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 get it. We get. It. You're not saying anything new. So it's like, are you still catering to that same audience that you garnered up what like eight to ten years ago, or are you trying to you know aim your music towards a newer audience? Because for me, I've always said this about Nick, and I'll be consistent to the day I die when I say this about her. When she raps, like when she tries to rap, she's she's pretty damn good. Like when she puts her effort into a, into a record, just to spit bars and what have you, she's nice. But my thing with Nick is that she always has this. 
hypocrisy about her where she wants to be viewed as an MC, but she'll continuously put out pop records and she'll continuously have somewhat of a pop aesthetic. I don't mind that. If you want to be a pop star and rap, that's cool. We've had plenty of pop stars. We've had Ja Rule. We've had Flo Rider. Drake is considered a pop star. I'm all for it. I don't mind. But just be consistent with it and own it. Own your truth. You are a pop star. Yes, you have the MC element about you, but don't say that you're not a pop star because you are, Nikki. The March Simpson wigs and everything like that, like you're a pop star. You are the rap version of Lady Gaga when it comes to aesthetics. Like you have to own that. This is what you created. Now own it. And on top of that, like I just don't feel like she's evolved as an artist in terms of her content and her subject matter or what have you. Like you're almost forty and you're, and you're kind of going the little Kim route right now, where you still think you're the the overt sex symbol. But at the end of the day, you can still be a sex symbol. But like what you're doing right now was what was working for you in 2010. It's not necessarily going to work for you in 2018. And we've noticed this because every time she has like a single rollout or like a Paris pack or whatever you want to call it, the response is very lukewarm. Like it's hot for a day, but then it's disposable the next. So it's like you're just struggling to reach for your your new fan base or your current fan base. You're, you're, like, you're just doing all this to stay relevant. And I feel like she's kind of doing like a low-key version of clout chasing at this point. Well, that's how you're right. I agree with that. But a lot of the stuff is like a lot of these rappers and, you know, these pop artists or whatever, they yeah. do a lot of things these days just to stay relevant. Right. So I don't think she's doing anything out of the norm. But I also believe that she she reached her pinnacle a few years ago. Maybe her last album was the one before that when mm-hmm. she had, uh, what was that? The Starships Are Made to Fly when she was doing all that. Ooh. A lot of the pop stuff. That was like 2011, I when think. When she was doing all that. Woo-hoo. She was like. I, You're saying I, she dare gross herself. I, no, no, no. <laughs> pinnacle, I'm not saying she wasn't good. Okay. But she was at like her biggest stage. yeah. I don't think she could get any bigger than that doing right. what she does. Right. Unless she starts acting and doing movies and doing that kind of stuff. Well, she ironically so, did, actually. Did she? Yeah, she's, gonna, she's been in a couple of films. Like, she was in the Barbershop 3 uh, film. Not, she acted as herself, though. Yeah, exactly! Like, wasn't really like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's Nikki. That's Nikki, that's yeah. Nikki. Like, you didn't do anything. Right, you didn't she do anything drastic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it was like, like Ludacris in, in the Hustle and Flow. Like, yeah, you played yourself. Like, <laughs> Like, like when Kendrick, I just watched Power. When Kendrick yeah, was yeah, Power, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was impressed like, with that, yeah. It's crackhead. Yeah. It's not Kendrick that we know, you know what I mean? So right, right, right. actually have some sort of talent to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. He just woke up and was like, they're like, we don't even give you a script. Just go in there right, and right. just talk. Exactly. That's, you know what I mean? So, And he he even said he worked on that character for a couple of years, actually. Oh, yeah. Before being comfortable putting on screen. Yeah, he, well, yeah. you can tell. He did a great job. He, he killed it. He that. killed it, yeah. I was Hopefully like, damn, Kendrick, okay. Hopefully that opens up doors. Black Panther yeah. sequel, let's get it. <laughs> ain't going too far now, <laughs> hey, he did a soundtrack for it. <laughs> he, did, he did, but you know what? You can't you can't teach height. And he's just a little too short for that rule. <laughs> well, I'm not saying for him to play Black Panther. I'm just oh, saying oh. being like a cast member in general. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep the crown on, on Chadwick Boseman. He, he can do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, for Nikki, I feel like, you know, she. it's not about rap and music anymore for her. She's got to fit find some other lane we know right. that sex symbol we know that you can put out music and it's gonna be you know you're gonna get some reaction whatever but right to get the crazy sales like you were getting before and to have the whole world like oh my god nikki mm-hmm. yeah that time's over yeah her, her i'll still be like oh my god nikki right 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 because you're a diehard i get yeah, it it's yeah, fair yeah. it's funny because i've talked to other diehard fans and they there's a rocking with her the same way that they were before and now we got cardi so cardi's like you know right and I still rock with Nicki more than Cardi, but Cardi, yeah. Cardi's new, so now her story is being told. Exactly. Like a little Kim, and it's not, sorry, it's like a, 
it's like when Nikki first came, everybody yeah. was so curious, like, oh my God, what makes her so different? And what makes how she come from, you know, the other right. blood to get to where she is. So And to be fair, I find and I'm not even a Nikki fan to be honest, but I find her to be a better rapper than than Cardi B. I think Absolutely. I think Cardi B is more about personality. I think she has a more of a engaging, entertaining personality than, than Nikki, in my opinion. Like Cardi B is a type of person where if she had a podcast, I'd probably tune in, to be well, honest. Wasn't she? She was on Love and Hip Hop too. She right? was, yeah. So as you can see, that's why she she has a personality. That's why she was able to get on there, right, and do her thing. And before that, she was you know she was dancing and stuff like that. So yeah. all that builds personality, and she just rolled it into one Cardi B. So, right, and and we love her for that. Yeah, and I and I, always, I always find it hilarious that you know Nicki Minaj always seems to have a problem with other female MCs when they are reaching her level of popularity. Like, we saw this with Cardi. We've seen this with uh, Iggy Azalea. But you know what's weird? It's like, I don't know if it's, it's not, I don't, I feel like it's not just Nicki Minaj. Every female rapper has that problem. And I feel like with guys, when other people start reaching their pinnacle or getting mm-hmm. close to them, yeah, we have like a little ego, but we don't show it like women do. Right. And it's just like, when you have a whole bunch of women together, mm-hmm. And, you know, one person's looking like this and the mm-hmm. other person, they just start to, like, you know, right. catty around each other. And it's the same thing. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, they still are women and they still have their emotions and they still want to be the center of attention right. amongst themselves or amongst their friends. So when right. another f- a female comes, you know, and they're just as promising or, or getting to their level, they're like, hold on, nobody's looking at me anymore? Yeah, yeah, nah, exactly. Nah, nah, nah. But you know what, though? I happen to find that in the 90s, maybe up until the early 2000s, I found like there's more unity yeah, more with, with the like, female rappers. Yeah, it was more they put each other on and do different yeah. things like that. Like, there's so many female rapper, like, posse cuts from the 90s that came out, even in the early 2000s as well. Like, you had a few, a few of them that were beefy with each other, like, like Lil' Kim and Foxy, which is kind of a shame because they're both from New York or whatever. But, like, beyond that, there wasn't a whole lot. But in this current era... You know, from like I would say like the later two thousands up until now, it's always been there's only supposed to be one female rapper and anyone else who's trying to come up is like, nah, you're cut. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And Nikki always preaches about like female empowerment, this, that, and a third, but like we've never seen her collaborate with another female rapper outside of Cardi B, you know, because that was politics. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then most recently with Foxy Brown on this current album right now. But that could be a little bit of a dig at little Kim because they know that they have issues oh, from way yeah. back in the past. But beyond that, outside of an R and B feature, I haven't seen Nikki collaborate with any female rapper or even kind of take another female rapper under her wing per se so it's like where's this female empowerment energy coming from like it's it's fraudulent in my opinion and that's probably another reason why i can't really rock with nikki in that regard well the thing is like i mean she still has a career so yeah maybe she doesn't want to do any of that kind of stuff until she's decided to hang them up who knows she might have a, like a little female group after her or whatever it is because mm-hmm. a lot of these artists they go into producing or doing different things behind yeah. the scenes right so who knows? Who knows? Right. And I think that's what she should be doing going forward if that's the case. Because right now, like, I feel like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like we've, we've kind of exhausted the, the, the Nikki Harashuku Barbie gimmick for, for this long, right? Like, you, you've run out of steam. Like, you're kind of being a Carmella right now at this point. Like, you've had your run. It was cool, but you got to hang it up. Or, or learn how to play the back seat, if anything. Because you, you, you can't compare it to Carmelo. Come on, man. Listen, you man. Bouncing around. At least she's still calling the shots. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, so you. All right, so she's better than Carmelo's record. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Carmelo, that's my guy. I love Melo. He's good, but uh, I always, I always found Melo to be overrated. No, nah, I mean, I, I always thought he was really good, and he's, he's to me, he's still good. 
But it's just disrespectful how they do the guy, man. Like, yeah. looking at his, M- his 2K rating, it's lower than some of these rookies. <laughs> well, I mean, look at the season he had in the OKC, 67, right? 67, Trey Young is a 79. Come on. He Ooh. hasn't played a game. Okay, that's kind of disrespectful. <laughs> like, I at least have him in the 70s. He, he, had a shitty su- he had a shitty summer league, and he hasn't even played a, a minute in the actual NBA. That's wild. Mellow? That is wild. That was true that I saw the 67 for Mellow. Right. That is wild, man. I mean, I, I mean I'm not a Mellow fan. I've never been a Mellow fan, but I would at least put him in the 70s as far as like 2k ratings go give him an 80 no nah, i'm not putting Please. him 80 yeah i'm putting all 80. those i'm not putting him all 80. guys are listed at 79 okay well I'm, I'm well that's wrong too but i'm not putting mellow at 80 i'm sorry man that's wild. no he i'm sorry he's such an inefficient score he chucks up the ball so much he's barely made a pass the first round in his career like twice in his what 15 year career and outside of scoring what else can he do he's a one-trick pony i'm sorry man when but he does that scoring like like nobody else, almost. He chucks it up. He builds more bricks than Bob the Builder. He's one of the best scores that we've ever seen in the NBA. Sure, but like if you had to compile a list of of scores, I can name at least five people who are better than him at scoring. Name them: Kevin Durant, LeBron James. No. Yep. No. Yep. No. no, no yep. No, I'm putting no, LeBron no, James no, up there. No. 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 Melo may have more weapons than him, but but LeBron still scores at a more efficient rate. Kobe Bryant. I'm not arguing. Kobe. Okay, okay, okay. I, I thought you were about to say something. I'm only arguing LeBron. Your list looks good so far. Okay, yeah. Le, Le, um, sorry, uh, Michael Jordan, obviously. Um, and then I'd even put T-Mac up there as well. Yeah, I only got a problem with LeBron. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Based if, on if our... We're talking about efficiency-wise, of course, because remember, Carmelo is a jump shooter first, right? So that, obviously, his numbers aren't going to look as good. But if he's driving to the basket, it's a different story. That's just not his game. But in terms of scoring... LeBron James cannot score the basketball better than Carmelo Anthony. Look Carmelo at the Anthony, look at the percentages, look, man. That's different. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> percentage is different. LeBron just going and dunking. But okay, but, okay, but think, Anthony, think of it this way. Think of it this way. As score, LeBron has gotten older, he has found better and more efficient ways to score the ball because he, he knows he's going to the rim. Okay, but he does fadeaway jumpers. He shoots off the block yeah, as he well. Does that. He does that not often though. His main thing is still going to the rim. Okay, yeah, because that's your number one weapon. But he has Imagine other. This. But he's added other weapons to his arsenal. That's Carmelo what I'm trying Anthony, to say. Carmelo has been complacent with the scoring. Carmelo Anthony gets buckets with one dribble. He doesn't even have to dribble. He just shot. We're talking about. Shot. We're talking shot. about internet videos where he's hoodie Melo and he shoots in, the, no, oh, in an talking, empty gym. Look at his career scoring averages. Look at them. Nobody. It's 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 Carmelo and LeBron in terms of who could score better is not even close. Listen, man. Like all I know is this: Melo got complacent with his jump shot. He has done nothing to improve upon it. He's he still relies. Jump shooter. He was never. A, he was never a, a go to the basket. Okay, but like to last in this league, you got to add more to your repertoire, and he hasn't done that. Is what I'm trying to say. He's resting on his laurels. That is what I'm trying to say right now. That's why I can't put him in like a top five scores list of all time. He'll be like top fifteen, maybe I, scores list. I can put him up there. But what I'm saying is, if you're saying to last in this league, I understand. Because right. What What happens is he needs to change his game. He needs to change his game a little, but not the way he scores. Uh-huh. He just needs to be more of a team player. Right. That's his issue. That he still wants to play iso ball. Right. When everybody else is doing different things. That's why his numbers are going down. Right. If he said, you know what, I'm going to play off the ball, which he can. Yeah. Because he can shoot the damn ball. Then it's a different story. But he's not. He just wants to get the ball. Doubles coming. He's still going to shoot, which is lowering his numbers. Right? Yeah. And which is why the move to Houston does not make any sense at all. Because well, they we'll play see. a high degree of iso. Like right now, his career tra- trajectory is looking kind of similar to Allen Iverson's right now. Like, he's just very, he very been. defiant about what role he wants to play. He's got to accept it. Otherwise, he's going to be out of the league in no time. 
Like we like we're talking about whether or not Dwayne Wade, for example, is gonna sign another contract to the NBA or play in China. Like that's where it's going right now. He's approaching that age. Yeah, but Dwayne Wade is beat up. And remember, he's three years older than Melo. That's true. That's Almost true. Three years older than Melo. Yeah, that's true. But still, that 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 still coincides with my point. Like as you get older, you have to find newer ways to refine your game. Otherwise, you're gonna get phased out. Yeah, yeah. Especially with the attitude, the way they, they're having it. Exactly. The attitude, more so of the ego. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not that guy you were ten years ago, then understand that you know there's, there's yeah. younger guys in here. Who, yeah. Who are willing to run all the way up and down the court. Exactly, time time and are willing to come off the bench, or are willing to. Yeah, and he has team. no commitment outside of offense. Like it's it's I'm offense. I'm a, I'm a hard gun. That's it. Like don't ask me to do anything else. And it's like no man, you can't operate like that. That's why guys like KD, for example, are are leaping over him in terms of who better scores are because they do it not only at a more consistent rate, but they do it at a more efficient rate as well. Like KD is one of the few guys in the league who is. Average 50, 40, and 90 throughout multiple seasons in his career. I mean, to me, KD in the league right now is the best score. And I think, yeah, by far. And I think at one point in time, like he eclipsed uh, Carmelo Anthony in one season. I can't remember which season, but the way Kevin Durant scores, he does it so effortlessly and is still able to play defense all at the same time. I mean, Come on, Melo. You can't be the best score in the league if, if someone like this is doing those types of things. I'm sorry, man. I can't. Yeah. I'm saying I'm with you. Kevin Durant's the best scorer in the league, right? And I, I got my other guy over there who's who's Kyrie Irving. If you told him to just score the ball, then this guy will put up some numbers for right. him, right? Because I don't think anybody can stop. He's just a short version of, of Kevin Durant in terms of scoring. He has all the weapons, mm-hmm. everything. He can post you. He can do this. He can mm-hmm. do that. He fades away. He can take you off the dribble. He's the best finisher underneath the rim he that is. we've ever seen in the league. Or ever. Who who finishes better than him under the rim? I was gonna say Allen Iverson. He, he finished pretty well under the rim, too, man. He did. But in terms of the way that Kyrie does it, the angles that he finds. The yeah, the little nooks and crannies that he goes. Like, don't get me I wrong. We're just like, ah. He's just getting there. Kyrie's, yeah. like, spinning, doing this, flipping it up and under. So, are you talking about from, like, an aesthetic standpoint as far as, like, the best finisher? He's a better finisher than Iverson hmm. at the basket. That's that's debatable, but I can see your and point, Iverson, though. Iverson, at one point, was playing above the rim some of the time. You know, yeah, yeah, like his Kyrie early was years. Never that guy, right? His early years. He's never dunking on anybody and doing all that kind of stuff. I want to see Kyrie have a commitment to to defense more so because, like, right now his defense is like it's, it's all right, it's passable, but like I want to see him kind of commit more to that, especially in that in that uh, Brian Stevens systems that they're in right now. Like, I just want to see a little bit more of that because he has all the tools on the offensive end. Like, it's it's. I don't know, man. Like, some of the stuff that he does is just mind-boggling. But if he can just put that to the defensive side as well, I don't know if that's really his thing. But if he can still do that, in mind, he's only, what, 26? So there's still time to kind of learn that as well. Yeah, 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 of course. If he can do that, man, he'll he'll by far be the best point guard in the league. It wouldn't even be close at that point. Yeah. Oh, man. But with all that said, we have reached the final segment of the show. And this one, oh, boy, I'm going to lean in on this one. And it goes a little something like this, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. So this week's Wankster of the Week goes to none other than everyone's favorite clown-facing, clown-haired rainbow rapper, um, oh. Takashi69. Now, I was going to leave this out of here, but nah, I figured I may as well just go on. It. Like, it's, it's a long time coming. Um, nonetheless, Takashi Six Nine is getting the wanks of the week because of the fact that he could now be facing a one to three year jail sentence 
all because of the fact that he failed to adhere to the requirements of his probation. And basically what ended up happening was the fact that he got arrested on multiple occasions and his parole, I don't know if his parole officer or the judge, but basically the authority in charge said that as long as you don't break your probation, you're okay. Meaning, do not get arrested under any circumstance. I don't care if you're robbing a bank, if you're stealing a slice of pizza from Pizza Hut or wherever you're doing, just don't break the law. That's all. You got one job. Don't break the law. What does this guy do? He breaks the law. How many times? Multiple occasions. And literally the terms of his, of his probation, all he had to do was do, you know, a few odd hours of community service and attend mental health classes. Like, I can't remember the last time I heard a judge awarding a rapper mental health classes. It just means that they're conscious of the fact that mental health could play a role in all of your different type of shenanigans that you, that you get into. But no, you couldn't do that. You had to break the law one time because you had to clout chase or prove that you're 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 a hood man and all that stuff and now you're going to jail for one of three years on top of that you are going in as a registered sex offender all because you had an underage girl in your music video oh my god i you know this trap baby generation of rappers man like listen you can try and prove how hard you are on on instagram snapchat and all that stuff but at the end of the day when it's affecting your money it's not worth it. People won't even book you for their tours or their performances anymore because they know how much baggage you bring. And it's affecting your bag. If it's affecting your bag, then just don't do it at all. Oh, man, I, I got nothing further to say to this, man. Like, this is the last time I'm giving this guy the wanks because it's self-explanatory at this point. Takashi, you're in the wanks of the week. Do you deserve it? Of course you do. I'm going to drop it just like this. Justin, what's your thoughts, man? First, I mean, I think people take advantage of their freedom too much. I mean, he had an opportunity. As you said, it was very simple. Just don't get arrested. Under no circumstance should you be getting arrested. He couldn't do it. So some people are destined for the bin, and that's exactly where he's going to go. And I bet you they love them Barbies up in there because that's what it looks like. Oh, destined for the bin. Well, he wanted to prove how hard he was, and now yeah. you're gonna get to show that, right? It's true, though. It's true. He's so, destined for the. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing he's that one. What he wanted. That's true, man. He wants that clout, and then you're gonna get a whole bunch of clout in prison, and a whole bunch more other things over there too. Yup, you're gonna look like a crusty the clout pinata over there, man. I'm sorry. I mean, this kind of reminds me. Oh yeah, they, they put they, a whole bunch of they sticks bust in them the wide open. He wants to get busted open. <laughs> In multiple ways. Oh my God, we're going to hell. Uh, <laughs> this reminds me of the Meek Mill situation in, in some aspects, man. Like you were told to just follow, comply to your to your parole. Don't do anything stupid. You did something stupid, and now you're going to face time for it because of that. I just hope when this guy comes out, first and foremost, I hope I don't see free Takashi or whatever. I know I'm going to see that, but whatever. But when this guy comes out, I don't want this guy to be the next revolutionary freedom figure that Meek Mill turned into overnight when he came out of prison because yeah, yeah. no like Nelson Mandela freedom fighter Mansa Musa freedom fighter Marcus Garvey freedom fighter Meek Mill dumbass hood rapper who can't get his shit together and same thing for Takashi 69 that, that's it that's it I'm sorry man okay that was a lot to digest all right we have reached the end of the show Went a little longer than expected, but it's all good because the, the, the dialogue and the banter was all, all gravy, man. Um, Justin, man, thank you for coming through. Um, as you already know, we have an open-door policy here at Cool Radio, which you are free to exercise at any given moment in time. Holler at me. We'll make it happen. Um, where can the people find you on social media? 
They can find me on Instagram at dream.chasers. That's dream and then dot C-H-A-S-E-R triple Z. That's my business Instagram. You'll find me and everything that I do there related to basketball. And that's pretty much where you can find me. But if you want to go to my website, you can also go there, dreamchasers.ca. That's dream, C-H-A-S-E-R, triple Z dot C-A, where you can find all your basketball content. You know, you find me mm-hmm. and you can get in contact with me. We can get this work. Absolutely. And before you go, who's making it out of the East this year? Uh, we're in Toronto right now. So yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going with Toronto. <laughs> All right, there you go. You, you heard it from him. You heard it from him. <laughs> most definitely, man. But, yeah, most definitely, thank you for coming through, man. We'll, we'll chop it up again during the NBA season. Um, As for you guys, you already know where to hit me up, man. Hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC. Next week on Cool Radio, I got my man Everything Oshan coming through to the studio along with G- DJ Express and Stasia Daniels. We're going to talk music. We're going to talk hoops and all that good stuff. And uh, we are live on Google Play Music. We're also live on Anchor, so check us out on there. iTunes, we're working on it. We're working on it. I'm telling you, we're gonna get there soon, man. But just you'll get there. Most definitely, man. We're working on that. And as you already know, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.